The following podcast contains crime and murder and is not appropriate for people under 16. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, crime lovers, and welcome to our podcast. We are a team of three curious girls that will try to dive into deepest corners of criminal minds. Sit back, relax, and make sure to lock your door. Enjoy. Would you buy a portrait made by a serial killer? You can choose between 93 faces of his victims. Samuel Little, born in 1940, Reynolds, USA. He was put in prison for killing three women, but just two years before his death in 2020, he confessed that he killed 93 women. Psychologists say it's mostly a combination of genetics and experience. Researchers say that there are certain genes that can lead people to violence. Barrier gene is present in about 30% of the population and is proven to be linked with aggression. Childhood trauma and early separation from mothers are also reasons why people become serial killers. Scientists believe that consequences of this result in suppressing empathy or brain damage to the areas that control emotional impulses. They typically show signs early on that they have issues, but those signs are often go unnoticed because their families are either ashamed, don't have the knowledge or resources, or for some other reason don't address the situation. They are often very lonely people who fear normal and healthy relationships. They seek control and want to destroy others to protect themselves from rejection or being misunderstood. But are serial killers mentally ill? It depends. Some serial killers do exhibit symptoms of psychosis, while others are diagnosed with severe bipolar disorder. However, very few serial killers are considered mentally ill enough to be declared legally insane. Rather, the majority display signs of psychopathy or sociopathy in terms of diagnosis, they may meet the criteria for antisocial personality disorder. Rather, the most consistent psychological feature among serial killers appears to be extreme antisocial behavior. They tend to lack empathy, appear incapable of remorse, show no regard for laws or social norms, and have a strong desire to revenge themselves against individuals or society at large by violent, terrifying crimes. These do not think the same way society would consider the norm. To them, raping or killing a victim may provide the same thrill anyone else would get from hitting a home run or celebrating their wedding day. Let's take Jeffrey Dahmer as our example. He killed, dismembered and ate partially 17 boys and young men in 1978. As he said, he did it not because I hated them, but to keep them with me. The sole motive for Ted Bundy to murder and rape his victims was the thrill and the experience he received from it. Unfortunately for his victims, Bundy enjoyed it too much to stop. This applies to most serial killers. 
They want the chase experience, which turns into an addiction, and the impulsivity makes it even harder to control. Robert Dalsek, who has killed 168 and injured hundreds more people by setting fire at Connecticut Circus in 1944, grew up with toxic family. His dad used to punish him by holding his fingers over a candle flame. It's all deeply connected. A lot of serial killers were bullied at school, weren't accepted socially because of them being different or even looking different. Still, some believe we shouldn't pity them or excuse their behavior because millions of people experience bad childhood and they don't end up mass shooting their school or killing innocent people. Failed genetics is a loaded gun and psychological trauma is a trigger pull. Referring to the past, it is interesting that the maniacs were quickly caught and therefore there were not so many of them. Firstly, in small towns and villages, everyone knew each other and when they were caught murdering, they were executed without investigation because there was no law as such yet. The paradox is that before only rich and powerful people could be a serial maniac and not to be executed. For example, Elizabeth Battery from the famous Hungarian Battery family, who was remembered by everyone as a bloody countess for her serial murders of young girls. There were rumors that she took baths from the blood of her victims, but actually these are just rumors. Also, according to witnesses, she killed about 650 girls. And such cases have gone down in history. But mass references to serial killers from the common nation simply didn't survive. And all because at least there was no press, there were no law enforcement agencies. They appeared only in the 15th century. And one of these parties, especially in Europe, was the Inquisition. People caught red-haired women, then weighted them on the scales. And if a woman's weight was less than 50 kilograms, she was declared a witch. The logic is probably that women heavier than this weight cannot fly on a broom, since the broom will not pull. And after such women were burned, and there were from 40 to 100,000 such lawsuits. But there are also records of 300 werewolf trials from the same era. Who are they? Werewolves were monsters, real monsters that came out at night to hunt, but not with wool and clothes but with knives and ropes. In 1589, Peter Stumpf, known as a werewolf from Bedburg, was accused of making a deal with the devil. Allegedly, he received the ability to turn into a wolf. And in this image, he raped, killed and ate people. In fact, he is just a serial killer 
Also, at that time, he was formally tried for witchcraft. In those days, it was easier for people to believe that the devil took possession of a person than he committed such an atrocity of his own free will. And then did it 17 times again. No other way than the devil is involved and who committed 93 murders. By this time, serial rippers were starting to appear on the news all over Europe, killing for their own pleasure. Martin Dumoulin from the France lured girls to death by offering them work as maids. In this time, in Italy, Giorgio Orsolano chopped up children and threw them into a river. And Manuel Ramasante in Spain led people through mountain passes immediately on their last journey. All of these people were also called werewolves. At night from 6 to 7 of August 1888, Murderer with particular cruelty killed a woman by slitting her throat and cutting out her goods. Identity of Jack the Reaper was never identified, however, there were many suspects. First victim was named Marta Tabram, and she was an alcoholic thrown out of home by husband. Homeless prostitute, one of 2,000 prostitutes living in London. She was last seen at 11.45 p.m. with some stranger, fading in darkness of streets of London. Her body was found by a postman in the next morning at 5 a.m. Doctor stated that she was dead for around three hours and she was 36 years old. Her clothes were jacked and cut. Autopsy revealed that she was stabbed with knife 39 times. Her throat was cut. Stabs in intimate surroundings revealed sexual motive of this crime. None of locals saw anything that brought their attention. The killer was never found. The investigation would have been closed if the body of another prostitute had not been found three weeks later. Despite similar crimes in this area, Jack the Ripper was associated with five victims. Except the last crime, every murder happened on streets of London. It's considered that Mary Jane Kelly was the last victim of Jack the Ripper. Stop of murders might be connected with death of murderer, his prison sentence, emigration or radical change of social status. However, police in their own investigation of incidents include later murders as connected with Jack. Talking about the sex differences. Men serial killers tend to follow their victims, often going from town to town, the research shows. They wait for their perfect time to attack, like a predator hunting for their prey. They will often butcher their victims, much like hunted game, and keep trophies from their escapades. While men largely attack strangers, previous studies have shown that about 80% of women serial killers know their victims. They gather them around, although while men's hunting is essentially literal, the researcher told that women's gathering is more figurative. They also take care of others, 72% killed at least one person in their care, and nearly half of them 
killed their children. The 2015 paper showed that 39% of female serial killers worked in healthcare. They largely stayed in they largely stayed in one place, like women in many prehistoric societies, according to the researchers, and used methods less outwardly violent, like poison. The researchers found that men usually hunt women to gain some sort of sexual satisfaction. 49% killed exclusively women in researchers' sample, and 75% killed for sexual gratification. Women don't discriminate as much in terms of gender, but they will kill for financial gain. 16% of the men and 51% of women murdered for money. The researchers theorized that the differences in the killings have to do with differences in reproductive potential. While men can procreate nearly endlessly, women have limited supply of eggs. In the essential environment, to maximize genetic fitness, women would benefit from seeking long-term stable partners with resources to invest in them and their offspring, and men would benefit more from seeking multiple mating opportunities, researchers write. They say that the way serial killers act, men hunting for potential mates and women gathering resources to provide for offspring, is in line with these tendencies, but it becomes an aberration, their pathological version. There are a number of alternative explanations of gender differences among serial killers. Historically, for one thing, it's been harder for women to, to be stalkers, Women wouldn't travel alone because it wasn't customary or safe to do so. They might have used poison because it required less physical strength, not because of an aversion to other tactics. They may have killed for money because it was harder for them to gain on their own. And that's the underlying worry in using evolutionary psychology to explain the differences between men and women. While Dr. Harrison, who did the research, emphasize that evolutionary psychology is not suggesting that everything is biological absolute and that it doesn't prescribe any behaviors in today's world, the field has been used in the past to rationalize traditional gender roles and elevate men's innate abilities and downplay women's. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and you're not terrified after hearing all that stories. If you'd like to, you can subscribe our channel for more. Also, you can buy us a coffee on buymecoffee.com. Thank you. Bye.